millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Dynasty As They Want to Be, a podcast where we drill into every episode of the iconic 1980s television series, Dynasty. I'm your host, Derek J. Lang, and with me is my co-host, Kyler K. Jafari. Heidi ho <laughs> Well, we just received an invitation right before we started to record for a friend's baby shower, and I wanted to check in with you. How do you feel about being invited to a baby shower. I don't know how I feel about that. Like, are are dudes supposed to go to baby showers? I guess this is the way things work now with equality that now we have to go to baby showers, but I don't really want to go. Well, also, is it like a bachelorette party or is it more like the opposite of or I don't I don't know what the etiquette is or do you bring prizes and and play games or I don't know. I don't, I, somebody needs to educate me because I'm not sure how that works. Well, I think what's happened is that like all parties now have all morphed into the same thing. So like a bachelorette party is also a baby shower, but it's a girlfriend getaway and it's a wedding. And I just don't know what to wear, what to bring, how to act, or even if I should RSVP yes to events these days because everything is just all mixed up. Wait, is is this like where you get like a diaper cake? Well, that's the old school <laughs> way. But now like baby showers have like bartenders and signature cocktails. So it's actually kind of like the last day of your life before you have a baby shower. Right. So it's like a bachelorette right. party for the baby. Pack in the party bus, the strippers, the cocaine, the champagne, everything you're not going to be able to have once you have that baby. Yeah, I feel like that's the approach now for a baby shower. Gone is the sort of traditional thing where everybody comes wearing their bonnets and women gab and ooh and ah over little baby clothes. <laughs> um, so then the other thing is, are we allowed to say no? Or like, what's the best way to get out of going? I don't know. I've thought about this and I can't figure it out. Like, it's on a date where I don't really have an excuse not to go, but... I swear to God, if we go and people start pulling out baby clothes, I'm going to go into the car and turn the key and or get like the hell out of there. Playing that like 
dirty diaper game or like isn't there like those like weird fetish games that they play at, at baby showers you keep bringing like, up the diapers i think this i don't might well be i mean just babies have diapers i don't know that's just how it works right yeah i don't know and then there's the whole like baby registry thing and like we already bought a friend we a- bought you everything for your wedding that's that's all you get you don't get a baby registry now well, I think a baby registry is fine, but I feel like for the most part, like all of that shit is disposable, you know, like the baby clothes, you're not going to wear them. For oh, no, there's long. like a highly lucrative secondary market for used baby items. Well, can we bring a used baby gift that's on the registry? No, I think it's implicit that only the parents would buy used baby items, but you're supposed to give them like brand new, fresh out the box baby items. Well, here's the thing that chaps my ass is that we did buy somebody a baby monitor on off of their baby registry. Now, what do you do after you don't need the baby monitor anymore? I think that they should give that baby monitor back to us. And Make then kinky we can... home sex videos? Mm, that's a good point. But I think we should be given that monitor back after it's been used, and then we can just give it to the next <laughs> friends who have a we baby. We can just keep farming it out for the rest of our lives. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, has baby monitor technology really come that far in the past couple of years? No. I don't know, like Spidey Sense capabilities or something. I don't know. Like, there's something it about like tells the baby you cries the and so. Or something. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I I don't have a baby, so I. These are all just foreign things to me. Speaking of baby monitors, <laughs> there was a big <laughs> baby on this week's episode: the return of Lindsay Blaisdell, the the lone underage cast member on Dynasty. She had a a big storyline. Let's take a break and then we'll get into this week's episode with Lindsay and, of course, the Carringtons and the Colbys. Yeah, she's a big baby. (laughs) Welcome back. So what should we tackle first in this week's episode? I guess we'll go to the beginning where the Carringtons and the now Colbys are engaged in a fiery tennis match of doubles there's uh fallon and her new hubby jeff playing against blake and crystal carrington of course and crystal and jeff realize they're not really part of this doubles match it's really fallon and blake going at each other yeah that's a good point i was kind of ignoring it because i just felt like it was you know staged tennis match so i'm i'm glad that you caught that because i didn't i didn't really notice but but that's sort of like what they're doing the last couple episodes. They're obviously going to do that this episode where it's daughter against father. Yeah. Well, what we get from this. All, all I saw was a lot of like really short, short, skimpy tennis attire. And I hope they wipe down all the patio furniture afterwards because it was looking like a lot of things were hanging out. and It was very sweaty. Yeah. Well, they do love their yellow accented furniture. The The tennis furniture is yellow. The pool furniture is yellow. And then they drink lemonade right after tennis, which seems like not a great choice. I don't know if lemonade is very hydrating. I don't know. You remember like that? It was like that that thing from the eighties or something where you drink lemonade during sports. Like it was kind of, I guess, what fed into Gatorade and things later. But oh, I couldn't barely drink lemonade by itself in air conditioning. I can't imagine. Really, what having, you got against lemonade? Uh, it's just like sweet and tart and. I don't know. I would just want to drink water. Show me on the lemon where it touched you. I mean, it's there's nothing wrong with lemonade. Like, yeah, but right after a furious it's, game it's of water, tennis? lemon juice, no. sugar. 
Anyway, Fallon asks Blake and kind of Crystal if she and Jeff can reside at the mansion now that they are married. And Blake is totally into it. And Crystal is too, but she kind of gives Fallon a little look like, I'm going to be watching you, bitch. Yeah, I don't know. This is all you. This For me, it was just the aesthetics. I was loving the hot rackets, the outfits. Um I was just assuming somebody was going to beat somebody at, at a game of tennis, and, and that was it for me. Yeah, we don't really get a lot of Blake and Crystal this episode. Later on, they do have oh, a, We get enough of them later. Yeah, there is a really awkward scene in the kitchen where Blake comes down and realizes the staff is totally gone, and Crystal is there whipping up a Spanish Omelet. Crystal fired the staff and says she's going to take over the kitchen and make some Spanish omelets. Well, she what? didn't fire them. She I'm sent them joking, home for the day. But here's the thing. like, What is a Spanish omelet? So, how would he like his Spanish omelet? Very Spanish. Mm, lots and lots of hot stuff? Oh, yes. Lots and lots of hot stuff. Mrs. Carrington, I love you. It sounds like one of those like vaguely offensive terms, you know, but it's like, but why is it? Maybe it's not. I don't know. Is it Spain Spanish? Is it that thing where you're just vaguely Hispaniola and so we call it Spanish? I don't know. I, I mean, it's 1981, so I'm assuming she just made an omelet and put some salsa on top of it. Lots and lots of hot things is yeah. what I think she said. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, Blake wants the hot things. And the other thing he wants... Speaking of baby showers. Well, I mean, she is making eggs after all, right? Oh, yes. I didn't even catch that metaphor. Crack, crack. Uh, Yeah, he says she wants a baby from Crystal, which is a little shocking to me because I just assume all of these people are in their like... Like way over childbearing years. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, now we have all of this fancy technology with IVFs and stuff. So I don't even know how they would accomplish this back then, but... Maybe Crystal is younger than I thought. So I don't, again, everybody looks ten years older than they really are back then. So that's a possibility. Yeah. So she doesn't totally put the kibosh on the idea, but she does say she wants to be more involved in like the business and the family and things like that. Well, again, it's that sort of yucky trade. Like, there's always these like business trades. Like, you have my baby, and you can take more part in my company. And I don't know. It's 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 an interesting sort of dynamic i think yeah it didn't really seem like it was open to discussion but i think we'll probably be hearing more from them on this baby and her being part of the business a lot more after that tennis match fallon and jeff go down to the car where the damned worst chauffeur in the history of chauffeurs michael is waiting and jeff tries to be nice and give him a tip because i guess michael detailed his car or something like that and Michael is a little bitch about it and is like, I don't want your tip. The Michael treat me. the hood of his Mercedes with his baby breath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or with like probably <laughs> like a, a $5 u- bill, baby. Yeah, probably with a used condom or something, knowing that guy. <laughs> what? <laughs> with a well, he's disgusting. Well, he he is. He's like Uriah Heep or something, you know, like just, just like always going to grift you and looking to dig in the ditches and... I don't know. He's yeah. he's definitely dastardly. Well, and as she has always maintained, she wants no part of him anymore and rolls up the window on him as they're driving away. I just still want to know what did they ever do that 
the two of them ever had a thing. It's, I don't, it's still unbelievable to me. It must have been some sort of an explosive orgasm that he gave her (laughs) and he's obsessed with it and she could care less. (laughs) She's had plenty before. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, weirdly, he pulls off the side of the road in some like forest, and like yeah, it's very mafia drop-off style. It's like we're just gonna pull the limousine over in the middle of the woods, and he opens the door and he's like, "Get out," you know? Which... Yeah, and he's like, "You want to go for a walk?" And she's like, "Yeah, no," and he forces her into the woods anyway, and then proceeds to push her against a tree, and for the entire scene, is like holding her by her shoulders and arms. Hey, come on. I think I'm entitled to a few minutes with you. Entitled? You're entitled to that dumb uniform and whatever my father pays you to drive. Well, I used to be entitled to... That's right, you said it. Past tense. You tell that to those football jocks your father pays to? What'd you do, take out an ad in the locker room rag sheet? No more entitled? You want trouble, friend. You're sure as hell going to get it. She calls him out to some degree, but like it's, you know, you deserve that uniform you're wearing. But then he's like, oh, but, you know, Blake's going to get me out of this uniform. And I'm thinking, well, but you don't just get into the aristocracy, you know. Yeah, well, and he's upset that she married Jeff and wants to know why she did it. Because he knows that she's not into it because she's into wild kinky sex, I guess. She tells him to get off of her. He tries to kiss her. The whole thing just like made my skin crawl. Again, there's just like zero chemistry between the two of them. So I don't understand that what that story was supposed to be if it ever happened. I still don't think I ever saw anything. But anyway, it's well, he's it's, just scheming. He's like, yeah, know, really, it's just a means to an end, right? Because this is just supposed to set us up for, oh, he's really pissed off at her. So now he's going to get back and you know, do some spying for Blake. Yeah. And he, he does tell her that he still wants her and he has feelings for her, but it's very hard to believe when he has her shoved up against a redwood and he's trying to stick his tongue down her mouth. Yeah. He doesn't seem really satisfied. And we see that later when he's on a lunch break with the British babe secretary of Cecil Colby, which I like that. She's like drinking some red wine out of a plastic wine glass in bed. And it's like, is this what the servants do when the boss takes the day off? Like they're just at home eating pizza on a Friday at, you know, 1 p.m. And well, there was some discussion that they just he she only has an hour for lunch. She can't take two hours. So I was thinking in my head going through the itinerary of that. So they got a seedy motel on the you know dark side of Denver. They banged. They're sitting there naked, wrapped in sheets. And then they've ordered a pizza that they've eaten almost all of and popped open a bottle of cheap red and drank it out of plastic. Yeah, I, I hope they're not on a diet because this was a high calorie lunch. I don't care how much they were boinking. And also, if you think about it, that pizza plus that bottle of wine... Plus the hotel room, motel room. I mean, this was kind of an expensive lunch if you put it together. Yeah, but also just the time investment. I can barely in an hour like go get a poke bowl and get back to the office in time, let alone fuck, get a hotel room. Just to all of you who manage people, this is what they're doing when you're not around. Yeah, this is what the servants. It's either do. that or they're like xeroxing their asses or something, you know. Like you just can't trust your your help when you're not around. To supervise. That's how it goes. Yeah. 
So the British babe secretary, whose name I don't know, uh, reveals that Cecil Colby bailed out uh, Carrington. Well, Michael loves this, of course. You know, he's just on the hunt. Well, this is how he's going to get out of his uniform, right? Like spying for Blake Carrington, and he's got the goods now. Yeah, or so he thinks when he presents this information to Blake in the library, or is it the study? I, I don't I don't know. It's an it's a an ante room. Who knows? It's it's every room you want it to be. <laughs> anyway, he presents it's this information to Blake, who is pissed off when he hears uh that Fallon has agreed to marry Jeff Colby for the bailout from Cecil Colby of Carrington. He seems to have a hard time believing it, but then not really. And then it's like, well, yeah, of course. He had her sign a planned divorce agreement and you know, their wedding was a business deal essentially. So here we are again. Like he doesn't trust his wife and he's ready to buy that story, you know. Blake doesn't trust who his wife. Yeah. I I don't think he does. Crystal? Yeah. I don't oh. think he trusts Crystal. Blake acts like Michael is lying, but then he later confronts Fallon and she just totally admits that she did this out of the goodness of her heart. And Blake no, is no. furious. Oh, no. No goodness in her heart. Come on. She did it, and I finally got to the bottom of this. I've been thinking about this since the first two episodes. She doesn't want power necessarily, but she wants to run Colby Co. Oh, right. She reveals so that So this is Michael. all part of her chess moves with Cecil Colby. And, yeah, it's not because she was trying to save Daddy's company. I mean, that was probably like a nice side benefit, but... Her main objective. Right. Was, she she definitely yeah. has a bigger goal. That's right. She did reveal that to Michael, which was uh, pretty earth shattering because we just thought she was trying to be nice to her beloved daddy. But he is pissed because as Blake explains to her, he's been through worse than this before and he's come out of setbacks as he likes to call them yeah he's come out on top every time so he doesn't need to marry his daughter off to just get out of this setback as it were you were going to help me by agreeing to some unholy pact with cecil colby what makes you think that i couldn't have done that myself if i wanted to what makes you think that i haven't been able to claw my own way up from setbacks before i've gone to congressmen and kings and dictators and mob bosses when I needed help, and I got it. And you were safely tucked off at schools and on jets and on $200 a night hotels in Rio and Europe and the Caribbean with your beach boys and soccer studs, and you name them, you found them. And I was here without you handling the problems, clawing my way if I had to, and I did it without your damned help. I'm, I'm just like, I'm thinking, but I don't, see where he would have gotten out of this one yeah how would he have actually gotten out of this predicament i don't don't think he necessarily would have and i don't know how things work in the oil business but or just business at that level generally i think he's also having an ego trip and he resents the fact that you know his daughter had to bail him out basically yeah He, he thought all this time it was just his scuzzy slash best friend but it's actually just his daughter and she's trading off her, you know, her familial sort of uh, equity for that, you know. Yeah, and she threatens to get a divorce and end it since he's so ha- unhappy. Or I guess it would be an annulment at this point. But uh, he says, "Nope, 
you're in that marriage and you're going to make it work. So he's against it, but he's not totally against it. Right. And you, you get the, the nice cheesy camera shots. Like she's going to pull the ring off or is she going to, and then she pushes it back on and you know, I don't know. It, it's it's kind of sad because Jeff's kind of a nice guy. There's nothing really wrong with him. Uh, I don't know if there's anything great about him. But then they're like in this marriage and, you know, she's clearly the more advanced person in that relationship. And it's not going to work out. You can just tell. Oh, no way. But I am interested to see the dynamic of how it works and how much power she kind of gets out of this relationship that she's in, if she really will rise to power. Now see, that's kind of a neat thing, right? Like, you know the marriage isn't going to work, but, like, let's see how it doesn't work. Like, like there's a lot of ways that a marriage cannot work. So it's, it's actually interesting storytelling when you think about it. Mm-hmm. And the other thing to note is that Crystal didn't really want to be part of this awkward discussion revealing that Fallon got married for money, basically, and Blake snaps at her and tells her to sit down. She wanted yeah, more you, power. You wanted to be in this family? Well, you're going to be in this family, you know. Yeah, and she has the look on her face like, well, shit, I didn't mean like this. I just wanted to be a VP of something. Well, she's she's really good at having, like, hurt eyes. That's one thing I will give Linda Evans, and it makes this character very sympathetic when it wouldn't normally be. This would just be, like, the trophy wife character. But, you know, again, she's really believable and in ways that are kind of new and unexpected. So I I feel bad for her genuinely in this situation. Now, most of the episode was actually dedicated to all kinds of drama happening with the Blaisdell family over really the course of a day, which I thought was kind of interesting. But it starts with the family at breakfast and Lindsay is going to have a friend come over and Claudia is going to well, go see her therapist. And Matthew, of course, is going to go to work. Claudia's got these magical chocolate chip cookies. And I think they're the root of all evil in this episode. Because <laughs> anybody who touches these cookies, it's like they go over the edge. <laughs> so, you know, Lindsay has her like friend over. And I don't know if he's supposed to be a romantic interest at this point. But, of course, he's like... Well, Claudia does ask, is he a hunk? And Lindsay's like, he's cute. Okay, so chocolate chip cookies aside, Claudia is clearly a like a sex goddess, right? Man eater for sure. I don't know if she's a man eater, but she's she's got like this Aphrodite like <laughs> goddess of sex and love, like Well, uh, a couple of episodes she was literally dressed like Aphrodite. Well, that, that's right, exactly. I'm like calling back to that dinner party episode. And then she's like at the therapist's office. Which, by the way, having like the most boring therapy ever, which maybe that's all therapy. I don't that know. That therapist needs to be disbarred. He, yeah, take his license away. That was some bad therapy. It was such a weird therapy session. Like she was making jokes and then he was making jokes. And he well, was no, asking, worse. She was crying and then he was making jokes about what she was crying about. And it's like, that's like, sounds like the opposite of therapy. That would just make me nuttier. <laughs> yeah. And like, all of his questions were more like personal in nature, not really asking her about her like mental well-being. Yeah, if I wanted all that, how many times are you fucking Matthew? Yeah, I I just go to my friend if I wanted. You know, I don't need to pay for therapy if that's the kind of conversation we're going to have. But I think she's due for another mental breakdown if she keeps going to that guy. Yeah, you can definitely see it. Like it's a pressure cooker, right? And the big thing that she brings up in this therapy session is sex. Um, and again, like she's, she's like so in touch with like 
you know, her sex drive basically. And, you know, and then she's in the car with Lindsay giving Lindsay the talk, you know, about, and this is like the wokest talk ever. She's like, you know, some men respect women and some men don't, you know, and it's yeah, like, which is as true then as it is today. Yeah. And it's like, I guess you have to remember there was still a feminist movement going on back then. It's not like we, we take it for granted now, but like they were, these were ideas that were floating around and here they are in the dialogue, you know, um, with some cheesy flute and, and guitar music behind it to make it like a feminine hygiene commercial. I don't know. It was, it was sort of, it was corny, but yeah, I, I, I liked the dialogue without the music maybe, maybe. So yeah, well all of that talk happened after the right. fact that Chris, her little hunky friend, tried ate to... a chocolate chip cookie. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 And then he's tried. reciting, what is this, Romeo and Juliet? I don't know. It's some Shakespearean play, I think. But anyway, yeah, they're yeah, they're practicing lines for a Shakespearean on play. the sofa, or and is it a love seat? Yeah, because he's ready to put the moves on her. And it, actually, it seems pretty innocent. He was just trying to kiss her. Uh, it seems innocent for about a second. Well, right then he wouldn't stop. He gets aggro, and then she says, "Maybe we should just have more cookies." <laughs> and I'm thinking, no, the cookies are what started all this. And but then it's also like sometimes cookie just means cookie, you know, like, <laughs> well, don't forget. She also wanted to listen to records, specifically Super <laughs> Tramp. Super Tramp. And I like how he says boring. And she's like, Super, Super Tramp? Tramp. Like, it's like, no, you, you, you heard him the first time. Um, <laughs> I don't think anybody's ever really wanted to listen to a Super Tramp album. Was, I also you know. didn't. Yeah, I wouldn't have pegged <laughs> Lindsay as a Super Tramp super fan. Um, yeah. Breakfast of Champions. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, that encounter sends her into a wild tizzy where she knocks over the lamp that doesn't break and she rushes out to the blue car that her father bought her mother as a congratulations, you're not mental anymore present. Well, I do like how this, this is literally a vehicle for mental instability, um, you know, so she's going to go have her breakdown in the car. And Claudia kind of had the same moment when she first got that car. Do you think that car is cursed and it causes everybody? Yeah, and it's not it? even cursed in a fun way like Christine. I mean, it's just a Ford Futura or something. It's not even a Granada or whatever. And, like, she can't even back out of the driveway in it. Although I guess they were just trying to imply that she's not old enough to drive yet. So she's, like... I will say for a 14-year-old... <laughs> the curb in that thing. Like. For a 14-year-old, she did a pretty good job of driving. I mean, it was probably a stun driver. <laughs> but. obviously they're not going to let a emotionally unstable 14 year old actress or how she's probably 30 years oh, old she was at least 30 right <laughs> passing for 14 yeah but yeah she goes off down the road and ends up uh at the walter lancashire matthew blaisdell oil derrick i don't know why or how she even knew where it was located because they didn't have gps or smartphones well, I'm, back then yeah i don't know how people got around back then before they had phones yeah especially yeah. frantic 14 year olds i can't imagine she would know where her dad works or how to get around town or anything so yeah so yeah then she ends up uh with walter lancashire who actually gives her kind of like a great talk he tells her that she's 14 going on I just, eight i just want to know why is dale robertson like a guest star he's been in every episode so far and frankly as far as character acting goes he's like kind of chewing up all the scenery and he's driving so many of these plots forward. Yeah, know? he really is. So yeah, I do like his little speech, and he even he even stops himself like as he's about to get a little bit too 
aggressive and you know kind of backs off and and there's like this sort of like fatherly moment with her i guess you know which is interesting because matthew can't seem to do that at well, least not in that moment matthew you know? is surrounded by two crazy women although well, i'm starting yeah. to think Lindsay is much more touched than claudia okay is. but we've all been teenagers right like I th- and everybody out there don't have teenagers they're the worst this is what they do they go crazy they they take your car mm-hmm. and they drive to your office or wherever you work and embarrass you in front of all of your coworkers. yeah Part of the discussion in the car between Claudia and Lindsay after she's driving her back, you know, from her breakdown at the oil trailer, Lindsay is criticizing this young man that's come over to study with her slash date raper. And Claudia's basically, she's like, he's a young man, which uh, she's not taking up for him. Like, she's not excusing it. But she's also saying that everybody has their perspective and they have certain drives and they don't always do the best job of controlling that behavior. Yeah. Um, well, and what again, I, here she is being sex goddess. She's like, oh, he's a young man, you know? Like, So I, she really like sees the the sexual power in the world, I, well, I feel Well, like. she does say that she's a mother and she's a genius, among other things. So maybe the other things are sex yes, goddess. You're right, right. What I got from that was Lindsay called Chris a really terrible kid. And Claudia was like, no, he's a young man. And then later she says, you're a young woman. Mm -hmm. Basically saying, grow the fuck up, Lindsay. Like, you are... I like that take. You are getting titties now, and these boys are horny, and you're going to have to deal with these situations. Well, this this is the talk, right? Back then, it was like you had to introduce your children to the adult world and you're seeing that here in this conversation. I think. Yeah. I think Claudia is actually doing an admirable job parenting. I don't know if Lindsay's receiving it though, because poor Katie Kurtzman just looks like deer in the headlights sitting in that passenger seat. She can't emote for her life. Well, like literally I feel like after, uh, Claudia gives the, you know, adult speech that, to your point, her, her acting and her like deer in the headlights look, I thought she was going to actually just open the door and jump out of the car while it was moving. <laughs> like, I wish. I wish she would have done that. That would have been much more exciting than her backing the car out of her driveway. Now, we need to talk about Stephen Carrington. The episode actually began with him getting a little letter from Ted um, that included a cute picture of him alone from a photo booth. And Stephen kind of tosses it down and goes on about his day. So I guess that's that. Yeah, I don't. It's, it's starting to turn into a one-sided relationship. I mean, how starting. much? Yeah. Did Stephen and Ted really ever have a thing? Or is this all just in Ted's mind? In what I thought was a really nice gesture, Matthew Blaisdell invites Stephen over to the Blaisdell house for dinner. <laughs> what? <laughs> to which Stephen replies. <laughs> what? What is this? Be kind to a faggot week? <laughs> right. Listen, if, uh, if you don't have any other plans, uh, well, uh, we'd like to have you at the house tonight for dinner. What is this, Blaisdell? Be kind to a faggot week? Like, that's uh, such a melodramatic line to shoot out. Yeah, but Steven is a melodramatic guy. So. He's not really though. That's I don't think that was fitting to the character. I mean, I guess he was pissed and, you know, he He's emo to the max. Are you kidding do you me? You think so? I don't yes. know. 
I, I don't, he's always like reciting poems and he's okay, always you're right but he just sulking i guess he's an undercover emo because like he's just got his roused about oil rig attire on and his vo5 hot oil you know ultra moosed hair i'm just not seeing the the emo but i guess you're right when you think about all the quoting poetry which he even complains to claudia about later like I don't know why I'm always quoting poetry to you, like you know, like this bad habit of his or something. Yeah, I thought it was totally comical that after this crazy dramatic day of Claudia going to this weird therapist and Lindsay having her own breakdown and taking the family car off, that they all end up back at the Blaisdell house with Stephen Carrington for a family meal. And Lindsay's acting like nothing happened and is just chatting Stephen up at the table. Now earlier Claudia and Matthew did have a discussion in which Claudia revealed that she found out through the Denver grapevine that he is a queer deer, which we know in the last episode, Stephen came out to Matthew. Stephen Carrington's gay. She say that? No. Fruit. I think she said he's a fruit. Well, that sounds like Neil and Ed. That sort of talk disgusts me. People have a right to be what they want to be. Which I, I always thought that was a, an interesting word. Uh, why fruit? I don't know. Mm, because homosexual sugary and sweet and succulent and <laughs> fun colors. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> why of, is it fruit? I don't get it. And but. full of C. Vitamin <laughs> Yikes, C. Yikes. That's no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway... The opposite here of fruit is the cookies because after dinner, uh, Claudia gives Stephen her cookies. Wait, no. First, <laughs> she gives him her loaf. Her, her loaf? Her meatloaf. Oh, right. <laughs> I thought this was like one of those fetish things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, I thought you I thought you were going to comment on the weird dinner they had. It was so starchy. Potatoes well, and meatloaf. Yeah, I, I feel like it was that like that lie that the government sold us in the, you know, at that time like what was the the food guide pyramid where it was like all of it was just like potatoes, rice, grains. <laughs> and then like the very tippy top was like peanuts and, and a steak, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I think maybe there was like a salad on the table I saw. So it was, yeah, but nobody touched it. Matthew did. Cause you know, oh, he's, he's eating light. He's, you know, summer's coming. Watching his, his dad bod. <laughs> watching wait. his figure, his dad bod. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, they well actually I think even Steven remarks on her exquisite meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> like, has a meatloaf ever been exquisite before? And and I guess he was like the character's supposed to be trying to be funny, but the way the line is delivered, it sounds almost like doing like a little bit of a Liberace or Lispy thing. I don't know. I, I wasn't sure what to... It definitely you know. was sassy. Anyway, Lindsay pummels Stephen with some personal questions. Where's his wife? Is he married? Does she make an exquisite meatloaf? And <laughs> Claudia and Matthew are looking at each other like, rut row. Is, or are we going to have to have two talks in one day? The sex talk yeah, and the Yeah, not another talk. talk. <laughs> <laughs> but Stephen dodges everything appropriately. Actually, kind of answers all the questions. And uh, after... Well, appropriately, vaguely. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not engaged. No, I'm not married. <laughs> yeah. End of discussion. Yeah, he shuts Lindsay down. Past the, uh, <laughs> the starchy potatoes. <laughs> 
So after dinner, Matthew and Lindsay go upstairs to work on homework and Claudia and Steven go to the kitchen to have cookies. (laughs) Well, and coffee. They actually just went to go get. I don't even think she made that coffee. Once those cookies were on the table, you know, it was time to start quoting poetry and love was in the air for sure. Interestingly, interestingly, under the uh, the the rainbow wall plaque and the the breakfast nook, I know I kept <laughs> seeing that out of the corner of my eye, and which of course like, is like a coincidence. I mean, that wasn't a thing then, but it's fun nonetheless. And, I don't uh, know, maybe some production designer on Dynasty should be <laughs> credited was early to that for yes. creating the gay icon of the rainbow. Um, I keep trying to read what what's under that rainbow, but I just can't make it out. The film quality is just not there. So anyway, what were they even talking about? Okay, she was saying that she accepts that you know he is the way that he is, and he shouldn't feel bad or like everybody's against him. He's always welcome at their house, right? You know? Which was super sweet, right? This is also you know again part of Claudia's outreach. Or the two of them both reaching out to each other. And I think that sort of comes to a head in a moment because then they start, uh, well, he he's quoting, I don't know if it's uh, Marlowe. I don't, anyway, one of those English poets from a million years ago. And then he says, well, I don't know why I have this bad habit of, you know, quoting poetry to you and crash. Yeah. (laughs) Drops the coffee plate. So I I guess she must have made coffee at some point because then the, yeah, the coffee saucer goes to the floor and everybody reaches for it at the same time or are they really just reaching for each other? And well, I watched this back a couple of times and he leans in and smooches her. It's more him kissing her than her kissing him. But they definitely... Well, he's a young man, you know. Yeah. Well, they definitely... Nobody was stopping the kissing. They let it go all the way. What was your reaction to this? My face cracked. The first... I can't remember the first time I saw this. You can kind of tell it's coming, but you really aren't ready for it when it happens so you can tell it's coming we literally just had an episode where he was with his gay domestic partner yeah but the whole time you're like you have this thing with claudia going on and and she's a A woman in touch with her sexuality and it's a friendship but she's a man and he's a woman and so (laughs) (laughs) what What? uh yeah yeah that's a real face crack there yeah i wasn't Uh. getting that into it but you have seen all of these episodes so maybe you know something i don't know (laughs) about claudia blazer alert yeah um, yeah, it just came out of left field for me. I don't know how this is going to go. I'm, I, I will say that it's surprising in a way, but it's also not unbelievable because everything that's built up before, it's already established a context where the two of them sympathize. They're both sort of uh, outsiders in a way. You know, they've, they've got some issues personally that they're each working on. Um, and so it makes sense that the two of them end up kind of connecting and in a sort of it's 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 lazy logic, you know, but this is also just a soap opera. So, yeah, well, and maybe we're just seeing the beginning of his by journey or something like that, which would be super progressive and interesting. I don't think that's probably what's going on, but I might like to read that into it since bisexuals are probably like the least represented now in popular culture of the LGBTQ demographic. 
But I don't know. I don't know where this is going to go, but I was definitely shooketh. It's them damn cookies. It's the damn cookies. Well, let's take a break and talk about our looks of the week. And we're back. Oh my gosh, there were so many outfits in this week's episode. So many options. So hard to choose. To choose. From. Yeah. I didn't say hard to choose. I just said there were a lot of outfits. <laughs> what was your favorite look of the week? Uh, for me, it's it's definitely Lindsay's um, romper onesie at the uh, end of the dinner party. And I'm just wondering this this she's a young woman at this point. She's 15, right? And she's 14, but yeah, okay. But still, like she's wearing an Oshkosh bagash pink flannel, you know, overall romper jumper thing. I don't know what this thing is, but it's totally inappropriate. That's your look of the week? <laughs> I thought she was wearing pajamas. I think it's pajamas, but like what what half-grown teenager wears pajamas to the dinner party? You don't like my look of the week? <laughs> no, I hate it. I can't believe that you chose something Lindsay wore. She's like the least fashionable teenager in the history of teenagers. Well, I will say uh, Pamela Bellwood's getting some nicer wardrobe attention in this episode. It was crazy to me. Now, my outfit is one of Claudia's. And it was crazy to me because this whole episode basically took place in one day, right? Uh-huh. That woman changed her clothes I think five times I counted. Well, I mean, she's married to a geologist, so she's got time and money. <laughs> Does she now? Yeah, I could not believe how many different outfits she wore. She had an outfit in the morning. She had an outfit for the therapist. She had an outfit for uh, the dinner party. Um, she had a different outfit to go pick up Crazy Lindsay. It was too much. Well, but you're not picking a look. You're you're picking a wardrobe. My favorite look was her first one, a sort of denim jumpsuit. That yes, she was that is wearing. a denim fantasy. Well, and you know, denim was huge in the eighties, and this is eighty one, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is actually kind of forward thinking, I think, especially for a suburban mom. Well, it's all denim. It's all denim. It's it fits really well. She's got the sleeves rolled up, giving Matthew Blaisdell his lunch pail. She's got some nice big earrings on with her hair pushed back, and it was just like a fun look to start the day. And then she like changed into look for other things. It's no secret she's a snack, and this outfit really accentuates you know her her uh, abilities. You mean that body yadi yadi? Yeah, no, it's it's the classic like high waist, apple bottom, you know, jean and and what? what? <laughs> I don't think you know what that means. <laughs> no, but I mean it's it's the classic high waisted jean that you know we now call mom jeans or whatever. No, but I I, I like her outfit at the uh, therapist office slash driving back home. It's a very quintessential look from the like you know early to middle eighties. I think. Every woman in that time had this outfit. It's the long skirt with the the high heel boots that come up to the knee. So you don't actually see any leg. It felt a little Pentecostal to me. It was a little, pe- but I mean, it was it was a look from that time. It was definitely fashion, you know, that was coming out of that period. And the uh, layered vest with sweater. I mean, it's not like a hot, you know, ensemble, but 
it's it's a very quintessential look from that time period. I yeah, think. no, I totally love Claudia bringing it fashion wise. I mean, Fallon and Crystal had some good looks this week too, but just the fact that she changed oh my God. her outfit so many times. What Crystal and Blake were wearing in the kitchen, did you notice? It was like blue terry cloth and red angora sweater. So it was like Elmo and Oscar the Gr- or, or Elmo and Cookie Monster. <laughs> Boinking over a Spanish omelet in the kitchen or whatever. I don't know. That was that. I think those were some some funky clothes. But yeah, anyway. don't tell me how to get to Sesame Street. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's it for another installment of Dynasty as They Want to Be. Kyler, thank you so much for joining me again. The pleasure was all mine. And I'd also like to thank DJ Jugo, who created our amazing theme song, and the artist Lindsay Mount, who designed our gorgeous logo and graphics. If you want to follow along with us on social media between episodes, you can do so at Nasty Podcast on all the places. Instagram, I'm tweeting and doing some GIFs, so be sure to check that out. Otherwise, you can find everything you need to concerning Dynasty as they want to be at nastypodcast.com. That's N-A-S-T-Y podcast.com. All right. Well, I'm going to go make some Spanish omelets now. Mm, make, sure, make sure you include a lot of the hot stuff. Hot stuff. <laughs> See you next week. Bye. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.